Hey everybody, this is John. I just wanted to let you know that I'm currently in Paradise, Pennsylvania with the rest of the RYM staff as we have our Youth Leader Training Conference. We ask that you'd be in prayer for all the staff, for the speakers, as well as the attendees. I pray that the Lord would use this as a week of encouragement and equipping for all those that are present. Uh, due to the travel, I'm airing a rerun of the interview with Ellen Dykus. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a daily podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, all this week, we'll be speaking with Ellen Dykus. Ellen, welcome. Great to be here, John. Ellen has been on staff with Harvest USA since 2007 and serves as the Women's Ministry Coordinator. Uh, before that, she served as a missionary and member of the mission staff at her church in St. Louis. Ellen received her MA in Biblical and Theological Studies at Covenant Theological Seminary. She also received a graduate certificate in Biblical Counseling from the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. She has published articles at Harvest USA and the Gospel Coalition, among other places. Uh, she wrote Sexual Sanity for Women, Healing from Sexual and Relational Brokenness, which is available through New Growth Press, and she has also authored some of the booklets that many are familiar with uh, through New Growth Press. Uh, she delights to teach God's Word and come alongside women in their spiritual journey. Uh, Ellen, before we get started uh, to uh, the, the, the questions for uh, today, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about what you do at Harvest USA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I'll kind of start off and just say that my journey has been one of surprises, and it makes me smile hearing you even introduce me and saying that I've helped author this book called Sexual Sanity for Women. Never would have dreamed that up, <laughs> that that would have been kind of where the Lord would lead me with writing, but um, it's been a sweet journey with the Lord over close to 30 years of being involved in vocational ministry. So, um, just so, yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm single. Uh, I've not married at this point, and so I um, delight to kind of enter into and engage um, with with joy uh, a life of being a, a spiritual mother and sister to others through my discipleship and teaching ministry. Um, as you shared, uh, I was overseas for a handful of years um, in Romania. Uh, that actually probably was my longest stint with youth ministry, um, was mainly involved in discipling teens there, and then came back to the States, was involved in my church, um, staff person, and then, yeah, have been here for um, over 11 years at Harvest USA. And my ministry here kind of focuses on two populations, um, women that themselves are wrestling with sin of a sexual nature, um, gender struggles as well. Uh, and then uh, wives who are in marriages that have been impacted by sexual sin. And so, um, you know, even as we're going to dive into our topic for um, today and, and this week, uh, I've just seen over these years that regardless of how tough a topic might be, uh, Scripture speaks. Uh, it speaks through the person and work and grace of Jesus Christ. And so whether you're talking about pornography or same-sex issues or marriage struggles, I've really seen over these years that there is hope for restoration, transformation, and healed relationships uh, through Christ. So mm. that's that's been a part of my journey. Mm. 
Yeah, well, well, thanks for sharing that. And yeah, amen to that. That is mm -hmm. uh, an encouraging way to begin this, uh, especially as you, you said, we, we get into uh, the topic of pornography uh, today, a uh, you know, very um, yeah, dark, difficult issue. But, but beginning with, with hope is uh, an important place to begin. And, you know, we, we've discussed the topic of pornography a lot on this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, and everyone knows, I mean, this is a prevalent issue uh, that the church is dealing with. But that said, you know, we've yet to discuss this topic from a female perspective and to mm -hmm. think about, you know, the unique ways in which this struggle can occur among women. Um, mm -hmm. So Ellen, I just I appreciate your willingness to come on today to not only you know, share your perspective as a woman, but your wisdom and expertise on this, mm. this issue. Um, mm -hmm. And so with, with that said, just getting into um, our first question, you know, statistics are telling us that, that pornography is a growing issue among females. And as I've spoken on this topic, uh, I've, I've said that uh, to those that I'm speaking to. I've, you know, I've read that. I've, I've, I've seen that. Um, but can you give us some insight on this? What, what are you seeing, you know, in your research and counseling uh, to women on this specific issue? Well, you know, I'll, I'll actually start that question, start my answer with this, is that I am so grateful for a ministry like yours that is willing to address this because I can pretty much assure you that there are mothers, youth workers, and teen girls that are listening to this podcast who are today struggling with pornography. And the very fact that we're talking about this, I would hope, is giving them hope that somebody knows we're struggling with this, too. And so thank you for your willingness to address this. And Absolutely. it's an honor for me to be able to be a voice for women in these areas. So, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, um, like I don't have the most up-to-date statistics. Um, you can find those online, especially like at Covenant Eyes. Um, they really keep up-to-date statistics, but um, the reality is that, and I'll kind of focus with college and high school-aged um, young women, is that that gap between percentage of boys versus percentage of girls that are looking at and feel addicted to pornography is really closing in. Um, and, and I would suspect that it won't be that long to where there's hardly any difference, um, wow. Um, in that age range. So, you know, there was one survey done um, that was taken from a few different online ministries, including social media, broad strokes, and um, today's Christian women. And of that survey of over 700 women, 40% of those women surveyed would have considered themselves having a pornography struggle. 40%. Um, now, I don't know what the prompt was leading into that survey, but that in of itself should cause us to be shocked. And, and first time exposure for girls is a little bit older than it is for boys. It's between the ages of 10 and 12. And that is almost always going to be through online. It could be an intentional pursuit or it's just a, a pop up that kind of hooks in a clicker and takes you into these sites where it's hard to get out. Um so in my ministry, it's younger and older, single and married women. Um, this is so hidden, I think, among in the church. 
um, I think we would be shocked to really know, even beyond these statistics, the real nature of how many younger and older women are struggling and absolutely middle school and high school age girls who have grown up in the device connected world. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I know, I mean, speaking about, as we've, we've said on this before with, with men, as you look at the statistics of men that struggle with this, those who are inside the church, as well as those who are outside mm-hmm. the churches, who are unbelievers, struggle about the same. And, and so you're, yeah. you're not really seeing a difference there, um, for sure. And so, uh, you know, we, we know that sin, as we think about, you know, just sin theologically speaking, we, we know that sin does not just assign itself to one gender. Uh, you know, that it's not just like, <laughs> this is only a, yeah. a male issue. But yeah. why do you think this is more of a a growing trend that we're seeing, or as you just said, kind of the gap is, is closing. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, why do you think? Well, um, I mean, a few thoughts on that would be, you know, with the sexualization of culture, um, with kind of the freedom that has been happening over the past decades for women to express themselves sexually. I mean, I think all that is combined with worldview and beliefs that's made um, sexualized activity more and more acceptable, uh, obviously outside of, outside the bond, the bounds of God's design. I, I do think another aspect of our current culture that has made pornography very easy for a girl or a boy to either stumble upon or pursue is the reality of the internet and having devices. Um, and so you know, when you're 12 years old and you have a smartphone and the reality is that even well-meaning parents may be naive or tired and the, and the reality of having to think about filters and um, internet accountability, it's just too much. And so in, in the palm of their hands, girls, just like boys, have access to whatever they want. And so I think those are the main reasons is it's accessible, it's anonymous, it's free. And um, there's a reality that of even kids and adults do this as well of uh, this is a harsh way of putting it, but it really maps onto it. They are porning themselves through sexting, through sending pictures of themselves. And what leads someone to prompt a person to do that? Well, Generally, maybe they've been viewing stuff online. It be, kind of becomes this cycle of feeding, feeding itself. So I, I wouldn't say it's one main thing. Of course, as you've already said, it comes out of sinful hearts. But I think there have been a lot of um, cultural advancements, if you will, that have actually led to also the advancement of temptation being so easy to give it give way to. Absolutely. And and that's something for sure. I mean, what we're going to get into is just, you know, internet, smartphones, uh, sexting. I mean, that's a topic we, we want to discuss. If we want to say maybe a positive spin on this is the encouragement that we're actually having this conversation, mm-hmm. um, because I know that there are some, and, and I forget, you can uh, share uh, her name, who, who wrote the book, saying how she struggled kind of silently on the issue because she felt like she was the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, there's some encouragement of saying, hey, this is a male and female issue. And so women are feeling the freedom to be able to admit this a little more openly and speak about mm-hmm. it. And so maybe that's why we're seeing some of the increase as well is because women can can now feel the freedom to stand, to speak up and say, look, I'm, I'm struggling with this issue mm-hmm. and, um, and not feeling the shame that was 
once there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but I guess, you know, what do you think are some of the reasons the church has been slow to address the issue of females mm. uh, struggling with uh, pornography? As we said, we know, just scripturally speaking, we know sin is not just, you know, it's, it's um, you know, an issue for males and, and females. And so why, you know, do you think the church has been so slow? And, and of course, we know, any kind of sexual discussion, dialogue, struggles uh, can be somewhat taboo for, mm-hmm. for people in the church to, to speak on. But what, what do you think some of those reasons are for why the church has been so slow to talk about this? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that question. And, you know, as a parachurch ministry, you know, Harvest USA is very committed to equipping and encouraging local churches. Um, so I, I'm thankful that you bring that up because we've had, you know, decades now of experience of interacting with pastors, elders, women's ministry leaders, lay leaders. And I think some of the reasons um, would be, um, I'll just share a, a few bullet points. Uh, one would be just being naive um, that, well, surely our women wouldn't struggle with this, or surely our girls aren't struggling with this, or they've kind of had that idea of, well, this is a man's issue. Um, so I think it's just being naive that uh, girls and women are sexual beings as well, and emotional beings and sinners and suffering saints, all that woven together. And so that pornography and sexual lust are a way that women deal with the stress of life as well. So I think being naive. I think also shame, whether if it's a, a male leader or a, a female leader, there's a lot of shame. You, you know, you said taboo tied to these topics. And, um, you know, the majority of our churches are led by um, brothers in Christ who are serving in that youth pastor role or pastoral role, elder role. And it's tough enough for them to be bold and direct about men struggling sexually. But to talk about women struggling, I think it can just be feel really embarrassing. Or maybe some of those men that are struggling themselves could feel like, who am I to even bring this up about women? So I would say, you know, being naive, shame, but also I think fear of how do I talk about this? Um, women's ministry leaders as well. So this isn't all on the men leading, leading out, but also women. There's a fear of... I don't know how to talk about this. Like Ellen, I, I've had I've had one or two women that have come to me or girls that have come to me and say, I'm really struggling, but I don't know how to address this. So you weave that together, being naive that there, it's even an issue, the shame attached to sexual struggles and then fear that can collide together where it's just not being addressed. And so it's avoided or maybe just kind of shoved into a back closet somewhere. And uh, one of the profound ways that that impacts the women and girls in a church, because I've heard this from many, is that they feel like I, I must be extra broken because this is hardly ever talked about at my church. And if it is, it's always addressed only as a male issue. So I'm kind of jumping beyond your your question, John, but the the need is great for women and sexual sin struggles to be addressed by the body of Christ in a way that is gracious, bold, and inviting to these these sisters in Christ to come out into the light for the help they need. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's helpful to hear. Uh, again, some of those reasons. Um, and, and, you know, I'm thinking as a follow-up question here, uh, and that's a, a question just thinking about, you know, unhelpful ways in which uh, Christians, but, but the church have reacted towards women and pornography. You know, I know we had your colleague, uh, Nicholas Black, on this mm-hmm. podcast recently. He was on episodes 246 through 250. If uh, any want to get back and check the, check those out, I would encourage you to do that. But as Nicholas said, and as I said, and as you have just said, you know, we are passionate about the local church and we are all about serving the local church. But at the same time, we do need to kind of acknowledge some of our blind spots and mm. um, some ways in which we need to grow uh, as Christians and just, again, as the church. So what, what are some of those unhelpful ways that you've seen the, the church kind of react towards women in pornography? And like you said, you, you know, uh, many who are leading the church are males. And so, mm. again, kind of giving us that female perspective and guidance on how uh, men can, can be better equipped and, you know, just assist our, our sisters who are struggling in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how has the church been unhelpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. And all that no, okay. uh, ran- rambling there, there, there was a question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, without kind of beating this drum too hard, I mean, an unhelpful response is no response. Um, like mm. I can't, I can't overemphasize that, that silence as a response is really destructive, um, to women. So I've already kind of addressed that. So I'll just leave that there. But you know, on the other on the other hand, a way that is is unhelpful would be obviously to look at this from an unbiblical perspective, which might bear out in statements or beliefs along the lines of this. Uh, well, if you're a woman, if you're a woman wrestling with pornography and lust, then something must be really deeply wrong with you, um, or if you're struggling with this, then it obviously must have been a boyfriend or somebody that showed this to you. Like, who is that person? Let's deal with them and we'll take care of this issue. Completely missing that woman's heart. Um, uh, Another way that would be unhelpful for churches to address this would be, again, missing, missing a girl's heart or missing a woman's heart and making this perhaps all about her discontentment in dating or singleness or her marriage and making it all about, oh, well, you must be, um, you must be just a really lonely woman that you're looking at this stuff. Like we need to, we need to pray for you to get a boyfriend or we need to pray for you to get married. Um, things that, I mean, those would be said to men as well, but there's these gender stereotypes that can miss the heart of the person that's struggling. And that would actually go towards men as well as women. But I think there's something unique um, in the way that things can be said about women because of the gender stereotypes about sexual desire, sexual struggle, and emotional pain, and how all that spins out in a woman's heart can spin out towards pornography, just like it can as a man. Hmm. Yeah. And and as I was even thinking about asking you this question, you know, I was thinking again, just from a male perspective, it would probably be helpful for, uh, you know, those who are preaching or teaching when they're just making applications in their sermons to not just say, you know, men struggling with pornography, yes. but just, you know, acknowledging men and women who struggle with this yes. issue or, you know, men and women who struggle with lust, just in, instead of, it seems like, again, so for so long, it was just kind of men who struggle with yeah. this. So even just saying mm. that from the pulpit would probably be freeing. Yeah. 
I would assume. Yeah, yeah. You you are really singing my song with that. And that's something that not only me, but the men I serve with are consistently seeking to encourage and exhort uh, those that are, are preaching. And I'm doing the same thing with women's ministry leaders. Hey, include examples and illustrations in your teachings that include that women need the redemption of Christ in this area, just like men do. Hmm. Yes. And, and Ellen, you know, again, we, we've mentioned for years, it seemed like this struggle is solely a, a male issue. And we've kind of talked about that, that from maybe a church perspective, but kind of getting outside the church, thinking about the broader culture. Uh, can, can you think about some of those cultural factors that you think might have, you know, fed this notion a little bit? I don't know what, how some of those might have played into just our thinking on this. Yeah, well, I, I think for, for probably many, many decades in history, men were struggling with pornography or looking at it much more because it was just more accessible to them in the sense of if you needed to go to a store and buy a a pornographic magazine or go into an establishment and rent a video, uh, for, a, for a man to go into one of those places, he would be sheepish, ashamed, kind of sneaking in and sneaking out. But for a woman to do that would have been probably unheard of. So the reality is that you know, these lies that have been said throughout, I don't know, history, that sounds a little bit dramatic, but I'll go ahead and use it. Well, mm-hmm. boys will be boys and men will be men. Um, and especially in areas of sec- of sexual promiscuity, including pornography. So even though it wouldn't have been commended or um, acceptable, there was something, I think, even just with how you could get access to this stuff that would have met- made it a lot easier for men to get it. So I think that's a part of it. Um, and there are gender, there are differences between the genders for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like the idea of men being more visual and women being more emotional or whatever that is, there are aspects of that being true, but women are visual like, like men. Um, women can fantasize, they can visualize things in, in their head. I mean, how else did the billion dollar, you know, romance, sexual novel industry get to be so successful? Well, women can read those stories and imagine them in them head. They can visualize them in their head. So um, I think, you know, those cultural, the cultural factors that led to that were in part the access, how, how a person had to access porn would have made it much easier for men to pursue it. And then I think just these other um, cultural beliefs related to men and women sexually, the the shame attached to that for women probably was enough to keep a lot of women away from porn for a long time. And by that, I mean um, like that shame or embarrassment could have been enough to hinder a woman in pursuing it of, well, I can't do this. But again, as times have changed, as views of sexuality have changed, women can be just as sexual and just as promiscuous as men can be, and in fact, are commended for it. You know, as what you, you even referenced, there are you know gender differences for sure. And so, just thinking about some of that in, in light of this topic, has the world of pornography changed in a sense to make it more appealing to females? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate that question, even though, I, you know, I for all the ministry I do, I wouldn't consider myself an expert on 
the pornography industry. Um, you know, even as we are walking with people day in and day out, we, we need to watch over our hearts as well. But I can say this, that, you know, as evil as the motives are driving the porn industry, the, the people that are that run it are smart. And there are lots of different genres of pornography from stories to dark, evil things. And I'm going to leave it at that. But the porn industry has learned how to hook in young children, how to hook in females, how to hook in an individual that might wrestle in this direction in their sexual fantasies. And again, I'll just kind of leave it at that. So again, as I've talked with women over the years, I've heard, because I will, women that will confess a struggle with pornography, some of the things I'm gonna want to learn about them is, well, tell me what this struggle has looked like. When did it begin? How are you tempted? And I will ask, what is the type of pornography that you seem most drawn to. And again, I've heard a wide variety, but generally women will say, not all, but many women will say that it is those pornographic, um, pornographic sites that might feature stories and romantic Mm -hmm. stories. And really that's what the world of erotica is. You know, these books like 50 shades of gray that is porn on the page It's ink on the page that is pornographic in nature. And again, right here, I'm giving in, I'm giving way to some of those gender stereotypes, but stereotypes are there because they can have a general sense of being true. So in the world of pornography, pornographers have learned how to cater to different audiences and it's been very successful. Um, And again, whether if that's to women, teens, children, um, and you know, I'm just going to kind of jump on a little soapbox here is that, please do (laughs) that I don't do this as often as I remember to do, but we need to pray for people involved in the porn industry. We need to pray Mm -hmm. for repentance. We need to pray for the women, men, and, and younger people that have been trafficked into this industry. Uh, we have an article that actually Nicholas Black wrote on the the social injustice of pornography, mm-hmm. that it is an industry that is built on the oppression of people. And so uh, I, that was just on my heart. And I had to share mm-hmm. that because it's easy to look at, oh, the porn world is this big evil world. And there's a lot of evil in it, but it's it's run by people who need Christ and it's people involved in it need rescue through Christ. And so I just think that's important, John, for us to remember as we're talking about strugglers and perhaps knowing the fuller side of what's happening in this industry. I think that can actually help help men and women, girls and boys, see it for what it is. And perhaps that can help them in turning away from it. Hmm. Amen. Yeah, that's again, very helpful to remind us just as believers to be mm-hmm. praying uh, yeah. for these people. I can't remember the last time somebody has said that or even thinking that of just these are image bearers out there. Yes. Uh, those who are, who are, you know, over it and those who have been pulled into it and how we need to, to pray. So that's a very important comment. And then also just what you said of, uh, you know, how the porn industry has changed. I don't know if I've thought about it that way. I've just, 
you know, without a doubt, I know, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. Mm -hmm. uh, they are smart at what they do. But, but mm -hmm. thinking about just the craftiness there of how they're, uh, you know, tweaking, you know, the making it more stories or, or whatever it is to um, reach a, de a depraved heart. And you think, I mean, of course, thinking back to the garden and we think of mm -hmm. Satan and his craftiness. And so... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, just see your response there made me think of that. And, and I know, too, as we were talking about, you know, these, these stats growing among females, we've already said social media as part of that is the accessibility. I know Tim Chester, as we've said on mm. this podcast before, the triple A engine of, of pornography, accessibility, mm. anonymity, and affordability. Mm. And so mm. we know that that's led to, to some of that. And so okay. as I'm thinking about social media, and I, I might be getting a little bit ahead because I know we might get into to some of this, but um, sex messaging. Mm. Um, I, I was actually speaking at a church somewhere one time and talking about sexting and just saying how common it was for females to receive requests for nudes uh, from from uh, from men, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth graders uh, receiving these and how it's just common. And I, I made that remark, that statement. And then afterwards, a mother came up to me and said, you know, she said, I have all sons and they've received text messages from females, mm -hmm. you know, unsolicited. Uh, of uh, you know a sext message again the these boys didn't did not even request these and they were just sent and so could you maybe talk a, a little bit more specifically about sexting and kind of preteens teens what what you're dealing with what you might be seeing uh, in counseling yeah well you know i I've, I've got to say that you know my discipleship ministry is definitely primarily young adult women and older so um my experience in that population is really more through their parents. Um, but again, I think somebody that is offering pieces of themselves through technology, where's that coming from? The world will have a lot of different answers, but scripture says that fruit is bearing out of their heart. So what's driving a 12 year old girl or a 16-year-old girl to send a picture of herself to a guy, we could have probably as many answers as girls, but I, I would, mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to make the biblically-minded uh, guess that it's coming out of a heart that is craving attention, craving approval, craving cherishing, craving to be accepted and, and wanted, and um, and I appreciate you bringing that up because about this mother, because it's not only boys that are being predators. Hmm. I've met a lot of women who have been sexual predators, and I'm not speaking about necessarily in an ab abusive way, although that can happen as well, but in a manipulative way of using their sexuality to get what they want. And what you just described is exactly that. Um, girls that are initiating that with boys are, that's coming out of a selfish heart. It might be a broken heart. It might be a, a heart that is really struggling in a variety of ways due to a variety of situations. But she is moving against somebody by doing that. And might be different motivations between boys and girls that are doing that, but it's really coming out of the same heart ruled by self. Ellen, that's some helpful perspective for us to think about, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that females can be sexual predators. Uh, mm. And uh, again, just uh, thinking uh, of that, you know, 
put it put in the, in those terms. Um, again, I haven't really thought about it from that perspective, but it makes sense. Again, as we know, uh, and as I've said many times on this podcast already, how sin works. Um, and, and Ellen, going back to something you said uh, just a little while ago about how we often hear that men are more visual than women. Uh, you know, in what ways would you agree with that, but then also push back a little bit? I know we've kind of touched on this somewhat. Yeah. Well, I, I both agree, agree with it and I'll push back on it. Um, it does seem that in our wiring that men are more easily sexually aroused through the visual. Um, you know, again, there's stereotypes um, or thoughts about men and women sexually that men are like a light switch and women are like a crock pot as far as <laughs> becoming, you know, sexually aroused. And so are men able through, you know, visual prompts, um, are, are they more easily, you know, sexually tempted? Pro- probably so. Um, all men? No. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll agree with the statement in that. But where I would push back on is that women as well can be visually tempted. Um, women as well have to watch over their eyes uh, when they're out at, at, at the beach. Um, and it's not just because they're comparing their, their bodies to the other women around, but seeing a man um, very immodestly dressed, seeing um, images. Uh, a woman can be visually impacted Uh, just like a man can. And where I'll circle back to what I shared a little bit ago, John, is that I think what is often missed um, in the visual conversation is that how how have these um, book industries, like the ro- what's known as the romance novel or erotica, how have those become billion-dollar industries? The audience is primarily female. Again, not all, but primarily female. And women can read something and visualize it and imagine it. Um, and that stays in their head. Similarly, I, um, I've got a discipleship group here with, with women who are wrestling themselves with sexual sin. And I hear women all the time that have had a struggle with pornography is they may not be looking at porn anymore. God's helped them. But where's the battle now? Fantasy life and their thought life. And as I disciple women, we talk about that that is going to be a tough frontier to recapture back to Christ. Very possible and doable through Jesus, but it will be tough. But once again, visual images taken in through the eyes, rehearsed and remembered and fantasized can become lodged in the brain. And that would be same same for men. So that's where I, I kind of push back on that, those, those statements of, you know, again, women are emotional, men are visual. Um, there's, there's truth to a degree in that, but if we make these hard and fast categories, once again, we will really miss a lot of people who are struggling with these, struggling with pornography. 
Well, and I, I know that body image is a big issue um, for, for females. And, and I do think that, you know, the church is kind of waking up to the reality that it's also a male, male issue, too. This might be something, again, that we're talking a little bit more about that, that males struggle with, you know, body image as well. But, but how, how would you say, uh, how is pornography impacting the issue of, of body image? Not only in, you know, how it might make women think less of themselves because they're, you know, quote unquote, not measuring up to the images that are online. Um, but how is it also making them present themselves mm. on social media? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, one, one um, stream of thought on that is that uh, there are there are many situations where women and younger girls have have been compared by their boyfriend or husband to the pornographic images that that those men have seen, um, whether if it's something about their body or whether if it's things they are wanting or even demanding that their girlfriend or wife do sexually based on what has been seen through pornography. So uh, I don't think it's hard for anyone to see how that's going to impact a a person's heart, a a woman's heart about how they are feeling about just who they are as a person, uh, not only physically, but internally, that they are being asked to basically be a personal porn star for either Mm -hmm. their husband or a girlfriend. So, and again, of course, I mean, the reality of airbrushed, touched up images is common knowledge, but it's still hard to really believe that when you're looking even at what would be seen now as tame magazine covers at the grocery checkout that are basically, you know, half clothed women generally are often on the cover of both men's magazine and women's magazines. That's painting a a picture. It's creating an image of what is to be esteemed. And so, you know, pornography, I think, has just fueled those cultural lies about what beauty is, about what is to be esteemed. And then when you add that or attach that to sexual behaviors, that that becomes a toxic recipe for either somebody to demand that somebody else be that for them or for this um, craving or expectation that somebody place uh, is or for that uh, craving or an expectation placed on somebody that they feel they must be and do this to be loved and valued. So, um, so I don't really have much, you know, much to say that I, that is, um, uniquely insightful about social media and how all that feeds all this. I think it's, I think most people get it, even though we may be blind to it because it's the air we breathe. There are expectations of what is beautiful, what is sexy, what is to be craved and esteemed that is put out there that has become, even among a lot of Christians, normal. It becomes normalized. You know, sin and false, um, sin and a worldly perspective, the very thing we're told not to do in 2 Corinthians 5.16, where Paul says, look on no one from a worldly point of view, the very thing that scripture says don't do, we do. Um, because we just we don't know any better or we're, we're blind to it. Hmm. 
Yeah, and, and as you said, normalized there. I can think, you know, I've got um, five children, and mm. my, my oldest is, is 11, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, we, we've had this discussion. I've talked with her about, you know, pornography and mm. um, <clears throat> just kind of encouraged her, you know, to feel free to, to talk to me um, about things, and she's said things before as far as <clears throat> going through a grocery store and saying, I think I saw a magazine that was pornography and it's sad because I'm thinking, well, no, that's not. But then to her mind it is. And so some of the, no, that's not is just because it's so, uh, you know, normalized and uh, a quote I've said before, borrowing the title from Pamela Paul's book, we live in a pornified mm. culture that we're just so mm-hmm. um, desensitized to so much that it's just normal. Mm. Um, so again, just uh, like you're saying, they're the, normalization um, of this. And, and again, just as we're having this discussion too, I'm thinking of Walt Mueller and um, if, if, we, if he had a nickel for every time his name was mentioned on this podcast, he'd be pretty, <laughs> he'd be a pretty, pretty rich man. Sitting but, pretty in but, retirement. But, <clears throat> that's exactly right. But uh, j- just some of, uh, as we've referenced, just the, the devices being given to younger and younger children, you know, these preteens and teens are seeing pornography and seeing what men are attracted to or young boys are attracted to. So they're even taking selfies and presenting themselves Mm. in similar poses Mm, mm. uh, that, you know, they're seeing. Mm. And so it's just tragic to think about it. But, but you also, you mentioned heart issues. And so, you know, as we're talking about this, um, let's dig down deeper into the heart and what are some of these heart issues uh, that, that, that females are struggling with, but also, I mean, we can apply this to males, but some of those heart issues that, that you're seeing. Mm Yeah, well, you know, I've um, I've learned some really rich insights um, from a biblical counselor whose name is Harry Schaumberg, S C H A U M B E B E R G, and he he wrote a book called False Intimacy, which deals with sex addiction, and he I think he's probably been a biblical counselor for a good forty years, and he was ministering and teaching on these topics way before I think most people were. And I bring his name up, John, related to the heart issues, because from all his decades of counseling and therapy with those that would be described as sex addicts, he would um, distill down what leads to sex addiction is it is a way for people to deal with relational pain. That's what he's seen. And I actually would add to that, that the heart issues going on that are fueling sexual sin, including porn, would be relational and emotional pain. Um, it's it's those God, I think, God-given desires, as you mentioned, because we are image bearers, that we want to belong. We want to be known and loved. Uh, we want to have a life of significance. Um, and, and we could go on and on in that. And so in this broken world, with our own sinful hearts, our own in pain hearts, how do we deal with loneliness, loss, discontentment, boredom, um, so on and so forth? And pornography, like I have yet to meet a woman who has been who has struggled with pornography, and there's usually other sinful behaviors attached to that. I have yet to meet a woman that would say the only thing that is driving me in this is sexual lust. It's all about sex. And actually, that would be true on our men's ministry side of things too. When you drill down, these men, younger and older, 
the women coming to us, younger and older, it's pain in their heart. It's loneliness in their heart. And they've not learned how to apply the truths of the gospel to those areas of their soul. Um, and, and that's where, to kind of loop this back around to church leaders, this is, a, this is a pastoral opportunity. I would say it's a pastoral imperative that we would know how to minister to people's hurting souls, including hurting souls that are trying to self-comfort, self-soothe, escape through pornography. Um, in one way, it's it's really simple. In another way, it's it's really complex because broken hearts, sinful hearts, those are deep waters, and, and that's where only the gospel can go deep enough to bring healing and transformation to those deep waters. So uh, that's a little bit of a you know spiritual theological answer, but I it's really true, and that's what we base all of our discipleship here at Harvest USA on. It's we target the heart. Hmm. Yeah, and that, that's excellent. And, and again, just seeing the beauty of the gospel there, and we, we need to see how the gospel really does speak to all of life. <clears throat> Sometimes we can say that, we can say, you know, gospel-centered everything, and mm. that can just become so cliched. But to really see, wow, the gospel actually does speak to this specific issue. I mean, just gives, uh, again, more power to what Jesus Christ came to this earth to accomplish and what he did in his life, death, and resurrection. And so, like you said, so much of the self-comfort and the, the self-soothing is is really, you know, like so much in life. Mm. We're, we're just putting Band-Aids mm-hmm. over issues mm-hmm. that ultimately Jesus Christ said, no, I came to fix that. And, uh, you know, I, I accomplished it through my earthly mission and mm. my, my death on the cross and my resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so to see and to train us, um, just as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, whether we're in full-time ministry or just local congregants in a church, to to think uh, from a gospel-centered perspective, but to also communicate that to the next generation mm-hmm. as we're hopefully speaking to youth workers out there and, and parents mm-hmm. of how to have these conversations. And again, to begin speaking um, about heart issues, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where... Uh, by God's grace, true change is going to come about. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to tag on to to what you just shared, John, is that, you know, because we can all locate ourselves in being idolaters, you know, being people that turn away from Jesus and and turn to creation in one way or another to make life work. I, I want to just encourage those that might be listening, whether if it's a youth worker or a parent, that you might be thinking, I, I don't know how to help someone that's struggling with pornography, and I definitely don't know how to help a, a girl or a young college woman uh, who might be struggling with this. Well, well, then I would ask you, but how do you struggle with, how, do, how are you tempted to not look to Christ for satisfaction, for security, for contentment? That's your bridge to the 15-year-old who's addicted to pornography. That's your redemptive reach to the young woman who confesses that she can't stop reading these books. Um, I just found that that's so helpful to know that as we locate our own heart and our own neediness, regardless of our personal experiences with sin, Jesus will build that bridge from our journey into the life of somebody else to help them. 
Very helpful. Um, well, Ellen, I know we're going to start wrapping this up uh, before too long. And so as we start to close this out and, you know, for those who are listening, let, let's specifically, you know, speak to the, to the women mm-hmm. now who are, who are listening to this podcast, the women who are struggling uh, in this issue, this, this area, uh, what are three pieces of advice uh, you would mm-hmm. give them in their fight against pornography? I was anticipating this question, uh, John, and so I I did think about three words that I would give, uh, three thought pegs for women to kind of hang their thoughts on. It would be this, share, fight, rest. Share. The first step that you need to take is you need to share this struggle with somebody else. Uh, Something that we say all the time here at Harvest is, if you want to stay stuck in your sin, confess it only to God. Um, The power of secret sin is in the secret. And of course, we confess to God, but God's provided us with each other to walk in the light. So you need to think about who is somebody who is, uh, you need to think about who is a safe person that you could go to. And safe would be who's someone that is really serious about their relationship with God, and they're really walking it out. Uh, Who is somebody that seems to have a posture of patience and grace and kindness? Uh, Reach out to somebody and share that you've got this struggle. Secondly is fight. Um, A woman that has written and blogged about her own personal porn struggle, Jessica Harris, would would say this when she speaks to churches is, how come men get fight clubs and women get tea parties? We (laughs) need to fight sin as well, and you need to fight. And that's where having somebody alongside you is going to come in. By fighting, I mean you're going to need to really do battle and think about the costly and inconvenient obediences related to your technology, um, your your access to the Internet. Um, and fighting also means beginning to, pr- to probe into those heart issues that are driving this struggle. And then finally, rest. Uh, for all the fighting you're going to do, Jesus is going to be consistently inviting you, as he says in Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary, take my burden, which is obedience, take my burden upon you, and I will give you rest. Uh, This is going to be most likely a journey that you're going to need some perseverance for. And Christ is going to be with you in this, calling you to rest in him as you battle and walk forward in this next step of your faith and obedience. So, Share with somebody, engage this battle, and rest in the grace of Jesus that does provide hope for you that you can overcome this sin. Amen. Yeah, and and, and really, I mean, just bringing this to light. I mean, shining a light on it and not keeping it um, in the darkness. Because as we've said, I mean, sin grows in the dark. Mm. And so, again, as you just started out there to share this uh, with somebody, I mean, very... Um, helpful uh, counsel there for sure. And, and just kind of a follow-up as I'm thinking, we just addressed the women and, and thinking more of addressing the men um, here. In, any advice, and I know we've said some of this, and you even talked about um, helping pastors think of their own hard issues and their, their, their struggles to, to share the gospel, but any advice to, to men of how they can help their sisters in Christ? Do you have any thoughts there? Mm-hmm. Well, um First, I would say thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, if you're a male or a female listening to this, share this podcast with another male leader in your life and say, hey, this is something I think maybe we could grow 
in learning more about. So I think the first thing is learning and being aware that this is a real issue. And then secondly would be engage, engage this as a, as a path of ministry, engage this as a way to provide discipleship. So, you know, our ministry has a blog that has lots of articles about this. We've got a new curriculum for youth called Alive, Gospel Sexuality for Students, a women's workbook, Sexual Sanity for Women. Pick those up, even if you're not ready to start to train somebody or to go through that with somebody. And we would definitely recommend women, disciple women in these areas, but become familiar with those and learn kind of how to even talk about these things. So I think learning, engaging, and then pray. Uh, pray that you will learn that you will grow however God wants to grow you in being a a man with a pastoral heart that has a heart of compassion for the women around you who are struggling and pray that God would give you courage to know how to address this in your spheres of influence uh, the needs are profound and I think men are as brothers in Christ can have a unique, influence of diffusing shame when they speak about these in a gospel-centered way addressing women that have women and girls that have struggles in these areas Hmm, thank you again for that and and i know as i'm you know the director of resources for rym i'm always thinking about resources we can communicate to people and so i'm glad i mean first and foremost seeing you as a resource uh, and specifically the the ministry of harvest usa and just telling people to be sure and check out harvest usa and is it dot org or dot com dot org dot org Yes, and there are so many um, blog, you know, blog articles that are out there on a variety of of topics uh, to check out. I mean, there's I know some short videos. There's some some books, as you talked about, sexual sanity for women. There's also sexual sanity uh, for men as well. I mean, those can be small group resources. I mean, when we had Nicholas Black on the podcast, we spoke about Alive, and that's a uh, curriculum that's aimed at high schoolers. Um, and so picking that up. But um, are there any other resources you would like to to share? Um, this could be podcast. This could be uh, curriculum. I mean, I know you mentioned Jessica Harris as well. Uh, any, anything else you would like to let people know that are resources that are out there that have been helpful? Yeah. Well, one. Uh, well, well. Yeah. So Jessica Harris wrote um, her blog and the book she wrote about her own um, pornography struggles is called Beggar's Daughter. I would encourage you to check that out. Um, another book. Um, that isn't focused on sexuality only, but I, I found this very helpful for young girls. It's called FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World, and the author's name is Kristen Hatton. Uh, that is an excellent discipleship tool uh, that just, and really, the, even the title is kind of getting at the heart of it. Our true identity in Christ is, is that's what goes to these heart issues. Um, so I would, I would kind of uh, stop there, but I, I would mention, too, Covenant Eyes um, Ministry, which is an online ministry, they have an excellent blog called Breaking Free. I go to that all the time, and they've got a lot of blogs that are specifically focused on teens, girl or boy, and women that are pornography strugglers. And uh, I find their resources to be practical and biblical. 
That, that's helpful, and that's uh, something just to, to remind those who are listening. We're going to put all the links up to all of these uh, resources that are mentioned, and I'm so glad to hear you uh, mention um, FaceTime uh, by Kristen Hatton. She actually was on mm-hmm. uh, the podcast, uh, and I'm trying to scroll through and see uh, which uh, episode she was on, but she was on episodes uh, 166 uh, to 170. Uh, so Kristen Hatton uh, was on, and, and some of what she discussed was FaceTime, and that mm-hmm. has been a very helpful resource. Uh, many people who listen to this podcast know that RYM has summer youth conferences, and her book is on our our book table every, every summer, and a, a great resource. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Ellen, thank you so much for, for taking out all the time to, to talk uh, about uh, you know a challenging issue, an issue that we uh, you know, in many ways, I am encouraged. It seems that the church is talking about this a little more freely. Uh, we know it's it's been silent um, for a while, but um, encouraged that we're able to have this conversation. Encouraged that there are ministries like Harvest USA out there who are coming alongside the local church and helping uh, those uh, reach out to um, our brothers and sisters who are struggling in, in various areas. So just thank you for taking the time and thank you for sharing uh, with us today. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, I would say ditto back to you. It's a delight to partner with uh, ministries like yours that are really wanting to talk about the real stuff of life through the lens of Christ. Amen. Well, thanks again. Have a good day. Thank you. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay.